Hey everybody, come on in. It's time for Coffee with Scott Adams. Yes, it's a good time. Aren't you glad you're here? All the good stuff's going to happen here in a moment. Yeah, this will be one of the best coffees with Scott Adams. And all you need is, uh, well, not much, really. doesn't take much, just a cup or a mug or a glass, a tank or chalice or stein, a canteen jug or a flask, a vessel of any kind. Fill it with your favorite liquid I like, coffee. And join me now for the unparalleled pleasure, the dopamine hit of the day, the thing that makes everything better, including riots. It's called the simultaneous sip, and it happens now. Go. Ah, delightful. So I woke up this morning to some, uh, some, some trolling from Tom Arnold. <laughs> it's, it's weird to be a little bit famous like me, because you have encounters with other people who are a little bit famous. And uh, so Tom Arnold came after me, and he used the, the so attack, where you, where you start your tweet with so... I guess you're saying, and it doesn't matter what comes after the word so, everything that comes after the word so can just be ignored. Because the word so says, whatever that follows is going to be a misinterpretation of your opinion, followed by a snarky comment on my own misinterpretation of your opinion. So rather than try to interact with people like that, I just tweet it and note it as the so tell for, you know, a tell as an indicator for, uh, I know, you're just looking at my cat behind me. You stopped, you stopped watching me completely as soon as the cat walked by. Anyway, it's the so tell for cognitive dissonance. So Tom Arnold is not what I'd call a good debater. <laughs> um, so it looks like the, the Trump strategy for winning the presidency is, and and this isn't funny, but it is. Um, I've said this before in my own defense. There are things that make me laugh that aren't funny, meaning that there it's something bad happening to somebody, and there's nothing funny about bad things happening to somebody. But sometimes they make you laugh under just the right conditions. I'm not proud of it. But here's one of those cases. It, ap- <laughs> it appears that Trump's strategy for winning the election is to let the Democrats burn down their own stuff. <laughs> because they seem to think, they, the people on the left, well, first of all, the Democrats believe that the protesters are on their side. Okay, that's the first funny part. The protesters are not on the Democrat side. <laughs> now, that should be obvious by the fact that, they, that they've surrounded Mayor Ted Wheeler's apartment and set it on fire. <laughs> here's, here's, it's not funny. There's nothing funny about setting somebody's apartment on fire. That would be the worst tragedy ever. So I'm not laughing. But uh, So the Democrats believe that they're... They're helping to protect the people who, who, 
who are literally trapping them in their homes and setting them on fire. <laughs> and, and they're thinking, well, <laughs> maybe this strategy doesn't seem sound so good on paper, but let us play this out a little bit. <laughs> give us give us a little space. We can make this work. <laughs> and, and Trump... <laughs> And Trump is just sitting back there saying, I, I got a whole army. <laughs> if you want, we could start with the National Guard, but if that's not enough, I've got a whole army. You just have to say, send them in. Because, you know, I'm no dictator. I'm not some kind of an authoritarian uh, despot. I can't just send in military. Can't do that. So you're going to have to ask me. i just just checking with you again. Would you like to ask me? And because they can't do anything that he wants them to do, it's just, it's just impossible. They just can't agree with him. It's the, it's the most diabolical trap I've ever seen because what makes it good is it preys on their own stupidity, but it does it in a public way. The public is looking at this and saying, um, wait, I didn't catch the part about why you don't want the federal help to stop an enormous problem. I, I wasn't catching the reason. Oh, oh, I get it. When, when the law enforcement comes in in sufficient numbers to make a problem go away, it makes it worse. That's their argument. That if you make a problem go away, it makes it worse. <laughs> I guess. So the president has the Democrats in this impossible kill box. I mean, there's just no way out. So they've they've decided to try to chew through the wall, you know, because they're totally trapped in this, you know, backing the uh, backing domestic terrorism. <laughs> and every time one of the leaders of like Black Lives Matter, or one of the organizers says something on the streets that gets recorded, something like, you know, they really want to kill all the police or, uh, you know, they're going to burn down everything. Uh, and you can see all of the, you can just imagine all the Democrats thinking, oh, we backed the wrong team. <laughs> we might, maybe we should have done a little research before we went all in on the protesters. So the president has them in this total kill box. They're trying to chew through the wall as has been widely reported, they're, they're trying to go from, there's no riots here, to, hey, these must be Donald Trump's riots that are happening entirely in Democratic-led cities, and that's what we're promising to give you more of. More of the stuff that Trump can stop in an hour, if you just ask. You just have to ask. So the fact that the Democrats are burning down their own stuff to try to win this election <laughs> is, uh, I don't know, it just seems funny to me. So I, I had an experiment. I've told you before, I have one friend in particular who, who will just argue to the end of the earth that Trump is uh, orange man bad. And I, I've tried to not engage him because it's, the TDS is just off the chart like you can't really deal with him. But the thing that fascinates me is that he's a very rational, very smart, very smart 
um, you know, higher IQ than mine, I would, I would think, and, and well-informed for, you know, citizens in general. But, of course, he's well-informed in that uh, Democrat way. The Democrat way of being well-informed is to not know anything <laughs> because they only watch the fake news, which they are sure is real news, which is funny. It's like what they're watching professional wrestling, and, and they're saying, no, no, that's real. That professional wrestling you see up there, I know people say it's fake, but I'm looking right at it with my own eyes. I mean, look at it. It's obviously real. And, of course, the Republicans are saying, um, you're saying that professional wrestling is real? Because just look at it. It's obviously not real. If you're an adult, just look at it. And the Democrats say, I am looking at it with my own eyes. That's obviously real. So this this weird world we're in where the Democrats think that their fake news is actually real news. Uh, now, of course, I believe the fake news comes from both the left and the right, so don't put me in, don't put me in the box that says fake news is only coming from one direction, because that's not the box I'm in. <laughs> Somebody's mentioning Jim Gaffigan. I, you know, I told you I, I met Jim Gaffigan a few times, and he was a great guy, but I, I had to just block him and yeah, delete him from my life for going full TDS. Anyway, so I talked to my friend who's so smart, and I said, and I tried to convince him that he was only watching fake news. So I started talking talking him out of the fine people hoax. And I would send him, you know, send him the transcript. I would show him, you know, sending various people debunking it. And finally, finally... I actually got him to understand that the most central part of his belief system, the fine people hoax, didn't happen. I actually accomplished that. I didn't think it could be done, but remember, I told you, I'm dealing with somebody who is hyper-rational, super smart. So I thought, under those, that, that specific condition, I should be able to break through if I just keep hammering on this, and actually succeeded in convincing him that the fine people hoax didn't happen. Then I had to go to work on the drinking bleach hoax. Hello? Hello? <laughs> uh, I don't know who that was. So, um, so I convinced him that the drinking bleach thing was fake too. Now, just try to hold this in your mind. I now convinced him that his two biggest belief systems about why the president wouldn't be good for coronavirus and his racial thoughts, the two biggest things were fake news. And, and I got through. I actually made that case and, and was successful with lots of sources. So then he was, he was angry at me because he saw a clip, somebody sent him a clip, of me apparently believing that uh, Joe Biden was satanic. Now, those of you who've been watching me know that that was a, a trick that I played. Let's call it a public demonstration in which I said something that I knew would be turned into fake news through the same editing trick as the fine people hoax and the drinking bleach hoax, 
which is you just take off the clarifying part. So I made sure the clarifying part could be easily deleted, and it was. <laughs> so sure enough, I became national news you know, at the, the, the B-level news. Not, it never reached the highest levels. But it became a, a big news story. My friend saw it and said, what's this, this craziness about you being, believing there's a satanic connection? And then I showed him the video in which I had explained the entire trick from the original showing, you know, showing that I had said, I don't believe in any of this. It's just confirmation bias. Then I showed him how I planned to have it taken out of context. It was, and it was a good demonstration. Do you know what he said? He said that I, uh, that I had embarrassed him. <laughs> I had embarrassed him. Because the people who had contacted him had met me through him sometime in the past, and therefore it was embarrassing to him to be associated with me, wait for it, because the fake news had taken something that wasn't bad in any way and turned it into fake news that he knew was fake news, but his friends didn't, and so it was embarrassing to him and so I'm kind of a jerk. <laughs> but it, it, nothing about this is even close to a rational situation. And then, of course, as you know, it always doubles back to, but there weren't any fine people at the Charlottesville. And then I always go back to the top and I say, all right, this will be the third or fourth time I've said the following thing that you pretend I've never said. And I'll say it again. And, and I will predict, and this is how I finally ended the conversation, I think. I said, I predict that by tomorrow, you're going to pretend I didn't say what I'm going to say right now, which is it doesn't matter who was there at Charlottesville. Because the president stated his assumption of who was there, spoke to his assumption that there were some people who were not racist, who just liked the monuments. That might be true. It might be false. It is irrelevant whether it's true or false because the only person who checked on it was me. Nobody else checked on it. (laughs) So if he was wrong, he was just wrong about an assumption which was actually a completely reasonable assumption, which I later validated personally by talking to attendees that he was right. Now, even if he was wrong, doesn't make any difference because he spoke to his assumption And the whole point is, what were you thinking when you said it? That's the point. What were you thinking? And what he was thinking is determined by his assumption, which he stated. So uh, by predicting that he would forget that again in 24 hours, I think it caused him to not pretend he forgot it in 24 hours. So I think that was my breakthrough. I'm not sure. Um, So we got protests in D.C. We had... Police uh, shot a allegedly armed black man. Uh, I think killed him, and yeah, they did kill him. So L.A. is erupting. So you got L.A., D.C., Portland, and here's the interesting part: Rand Paul and the president are both suggesting that there are out of town agitators, and if we could find out who's funding them. Somebody's going to be in a lot of trouble. And do you think we don't know yet who is funding the people that 
Trump alleged Trump alleged came in on airplanes and Rand Paul said they had a change of clothes. So it's it's like they know something already that they're not ready to tell the public or it's not confirmed, I suppose. But uh, I think we're going to find out something interesting there. So some of you are guessing Soros. I'm going to guess, I'm going to be a contrarian. I wouldn't say it's impossible. (laughs) I wouldn't say it's impossible that George Soros funded an organization that funded some people to travel and protest. That, That feels like it could have been possibly, but I think we're going to find somebody else. I don't know who. I don't, have a, I don't have a hypothesis, but I think you're going to find somebody else. I would extend that to say that the Tiki Torch guys who are marching in Charlottesville, I don't think they were organic either. They were a little bit too good for the camera, if you know what I mean. And why have we never seen anybody who looked kind of like that group, the Tiki Torch guys. Never saw them before, anybody who looked or presented themselves that way. Never seen it since. Huh. Would you say that the neo-Nazis all went away after that day? Or would you say that they lost interest in any kind of public display? Huh. Lots of questions. So I would guess that what we're seeing now is not completely organic. It's definitely not organic. Uh, the trolls that are coming after me and other people online are definitely not organic. Those are coordinated. We know that. And uh, I think Charlottesville was some kind of a some kind of an operation. I don't know entirely, but there was something going on there. Uh, the big story today is that Trump was uh, that they alleged that Trump went to Walter Reed some some time ago and that uh, Pence was put on alert that he could be in charge, depending on what happened there. And uh, there's rumors from the insiders that, oh, how interesting, we don't know the names of the anonymous sources. Well, as you know, anonymous sources are never wrong, right? There is nothing less reliable than an anonymous source in the White House. That is the least... uh, it's got to be the least credible source of any information. But they're saying that they think he had some mini strokes. And then there's a video of him appearing to slur his words. Now, uh, I sent the video around and asked if it looked doctored, and people said no. Uh, at least one expert said, nope, not doctored. Uh, it does look like he either had some, um, some dental work that day, he definitely was slurring his speech. There's no doubt about that. But it looks like it was more like dental work. There, there certainly doesn't seem to be anything wrong with him at the moment. We've watched the president in public you know, continuously and extensively for months. I haven't seen any problem. So uh, we shall keep an eye on that, but it sounds more like an election year thing that you say is more of a response because Biden is falling apart. Rasmussen, uh, the Rasmussen Report polling company, they continue to entertain me by noting that their competitors are uh, went, they went silent after the uh, Republican convention. They just stopped publishing their polls for a while. Don't know why. They just stopped publishing. Could it be 
Could it be because the polls are so favorable relative to what they were for Trump? Could it be? Because the ones who aren't publishing are the ones with, that we know are sort of Trump-unfriendly, if you know what I mean. So I think that part is hilarious. That's a lot of dogs not barking right now. Um, <laughs> the, uh, everything that we're seeing now seems to be what I call word thinking, where you, you simply replace the words that fit with your own words, and then you act like you said something. For example, uh, when Kyle Rittenhouse shot three people in Kenosha, how is that being described? Well, if you don't like Republicans, you say he was a vigilante, or no, no, you say he was a, a, a militia member or a white supremacist. There's no indication he was either of those things, no evidence of either of those things. And you say that he uh, killed two protesters. So if you're CNN, that's what he is. He's a militia member or, or a white supremacist, and he killed two protesters. Those poor, innocent protesters. Or if you're a Republican, you say he was a patriot who went there to protect people and property, brought his own medical gear to help protesters in case they got shot, and three separate people attacked him, and he shot him in self-defense. So he was neither a vigilante, he wasn't going there to, to hurt anybody, he was actually going there to reduce the amount of uh, damage and, and maybe the amount of death, because he, he literally bought, brought medical equipment with him to help, and he even stopped to see if he could help the guy he shot. So you know, he was closer to a Boy Scout than a white supremacist who wants to go shoot people. But that's the world we live in, where um, Kyle is now, for all practical purposes, he's a political prisoner, wouldn't you say? Wouldn't you say that Kyle is a political prisoner at this point? Because the video is pretty clear that he was being chased and was at great bodily risk immediately before he was shooting. I mean, that's it's right on the video. You can just see it. Now, the question about the legality of the gun, according to his lawyer who was on Tucker last night, the gun did not cross state lines. He does have a right to uh, have it. It's open carry. It was legal. Apparently, it was a legal firearm that he had legal right to have in his possession. Now, it may not have been a good idea, which is a separate question, but what we know so far is that no crime was even close to being committed. Uh, if you take you know, reasonable doubt as a standard. Because the video it has, at the very least, even if you were the most anti-Kyle person in the world, you'd have to admit that the video, at the very least, shows a massive amount of doubt about what happened. And that's all you need to be innocent, if there's doubt. And I, w- I would say that my interpretation is that it went beyond doubt and that it's, it's obvious that it was self-defense. It's just obvious, uh, if you watch the videos. But the videos lie, so maybe there's something we don't know. The most r- ridiculous story is this one about uh, the, the finding that maybe only 6% of the uh, coronavirus deaths in this country 
were from people who had no comorbidities. And, in fact, they, they usually had two or three if they died. Now, people are hailing this as a big uh, insight that changes everything. I don't understand that. This is exactly what I thought was the situation. What did you think was the situation? I thought the situation was if you had comorbidities, you'd be in trouble. If you didn't, you wouldn't be in that much trouble. The risk was low. Did this change anything? I think people are taking the 6% to mean more than it means. Because the whole point of it is that we live in a country where there are just tens of millions of people who have comorbidities. What are they going to do? Stay home? (laughs) You know, uh, if you just took people who are overweight and said, all right, all right, only the overweight people have to stay home and everybody else can go about their business that would still be two-thirds of adults. They'd have to stay home. Isn't that something like two-thirds of adults are, are heavier than they need to be? And then you throw in anything else that they might have, like hypertension. Um, I mean, I, I've got two comorbidities. I'm 63, probably in better shape than you know 99% of people my age, and even I have two comorbidities. So it's so common, I don't know that it changes anything uh, compared to what we thought was the situation. Um, J.P. Morgan is warning people, or alerting them, I guess, that they should be prepared for the rising odds of a Trump win. So they're looking at all the trends and saying, uh, if these trends continue, it looks like it's Trump all the way. So I would argue that the stock market has already built that in. So the the predictive model has totally closed the gap um, to almost statistical tie. The the stock market is clearly voting in favor of a Trump win. That's obvious. And now J.P. Morgan is saying it directly. All right. Um, I have an, an opinion that mental slavery is one of the worst outcomes from systemic uh, racism. And it goes like this. You know, it's, it's been said, people have made the analogy that uh, the, the, black, the black vote usually goes for the Democrats, so that's some kind of a plantation thing. People like to use that imagery. I find that a little offensive, the plantation part of it anyway. So I don't, I don't like to use the plantation part. You know, if you're black, you can say that. If you're not black, maybe stay away from that plantation word. It just feels a little icky and inappropriate. Uh, but I would say that one of the outcomes of systemic racism that is just 100% a big problem is uh, the school systems not being adequate. And, of course, it's the, the teachers' unions that are the cause of all the problems. And because the teachers' unions you know, perpetuate uh, bad education by removing competition, which would allow it to improve, um, you end up with... Uh, Black citizens who are undereducated compared to what what we would all like to see a better situation, and I think that that also allows them to be duped by Democrats a little bit easier. In other words, your your total level of education is one of the things that can protect you. As I as I said with my other example of my highly educated smart friend, it took a lot of convincing to convince him that he was watching fake news. But suppose you had a much lower level of education. 
it would be a lot harder to convince you that you were being fooled. And so the Democrats take advantage of that situation to feed the, the black voters ridiculous um, version of reality in which they're, they're trapped in this world they can't get out of and it's somebody else's fault, I guess. But uh, Kanye, to pick, pick a uh, classic example, or somebody like uh, um, Seoul, you know, economist Seoul or Candace Owens, um, have, have seen through the illusion and they can see the open door. And they can see that, okay, sure, maybe not every door is open to every black person in every situation. Yeah, it's, a, it's an imperfect system. We need to fix all that stuff too. But there is an open door. If, if white people have three doors and black people have one or two, you can still all get out. You can still all get out because you've got a door. Now, your door is different than my door maybe, but everybody's got a door. And if you can't see the door, somebody is blinding you to it. And that's the, the mental slavery part, is that... Um, so, so right now you're seeing, uh, you're seeing the, the protesters seemingly in favor of no police protection. Uh, that's just a lack of education, isn't it? Anybody who is in favor of getting rid of police protection... It's hard to see that as a philosophy. That's not a, a political opinion. That is just a, lo- a an educational failure, I would say. So a lot of what uh, the protesters are asking for are things that if they got them, it would be the worst thing that could possibly happen. It would be the end of everything. <laughs> and they don't know that. And I think education has a, has a big role in that. Yeah, Thomas Sowell is is someone who can see the open door uh, better than most. Larry Elder, another good example. Yeah. All right. Um, somebody says, not necessarily, but I don't know who you're talking about. All right. That's, uh, I don't have much else to say today. Uh, it's going to be just a, a lit, totally crazy week. <laughs> somebody says their door is locked. <laughs> All right, I don't have much else today, uh, but as everybody has noted, this next few months are just going to be so full of news, it's going to be crazy. But it looks like, for the moment, the Trump campaign is just going to let the uh, let the Democrats have their way, which is burn up their own stuff until there's nothing left. And they think they'll win with that. Maybe. Anything's possible. All right, I'll talk to you later.